Hey everyone, this is Flippin' Finance. I'm Sam Ismore and I'm joined by my co-host Fabian. Good morning. Today is January 25th, 2023. And this week's topic is what is a financial plan? But before we get into that, Fabian, kick the disclosure music. As always, none of this is investment advice and does not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities, nor do any of my opinions reflect those of my employer, Valeo Financial Advisors, or any of its affiliates. This is for educational purposes only, and we are lazy, so we have no duty duty to revise any of this information. With that fun little jab out of the way, how are you, Fabian? I'm doing good. I'm staring out my window. The snow's coming down. I feel like I need some potato soup. Since yeah, I almost hot beverage I, I woke, other than coffee. Yeah, yeah. I woke up this morning and uh, my fiance Austin, she's working from home today too. And I was like, should I, should I go to the grocery store? Do we? Should I get some soup or something? And she looked at me like I'm an idiot. So that's uh, I why. Think why is it human nature to automatically want to run to the grocery store when there's like a, a storm impending? Because we could be trapped here for like three days, Fabian. What if you know? Let's let's have a financial plan in place or a grocery plan in place. In case something happens. Or you could and just be, you could be the savage that orders DoorDash in the middle of a blizzard. <laughs> I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to do that. Um, I want to have a plan because I'm a financial planner and kind of, Fabian, there's a great quote from Yogi Berra to kind of kick us off here. If you don't know where you're going, you'll end up somewhere else type of thing. So if you don't know if you're going to be, what you're doing later, you're going to end up, you know, ordering DoorDash and and it, it not being a good time for somebody. True, true. <laughs> but uh, I get this question a lot as a, as a financial planner, advisor, um, tall finance guy. Is 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 what is a financial plan? And it can be really, it can be really simple, and it can get really complex depending on your situation. So I'm going to give like a brief overview of what I think a financial plan is, and then it's always easy to start with a story. So my analogy is is being a pilot. And I've actually gone up and asked a pilot this, uh, like every flight, you guys have a flight plan. And at first he was kind of like, looking at me a little weird at the airport. Like, okay, okay, weirdo. Like, yeah, of course we have a flight plan every time. But as a passenger, I'm a big fan of the flight plan because, you know, 99.99 flights go fine. But that 0.01 where things don't go fine is where you're like, I hope they, uh, they thought about what we were doing before we took off. But it's just the basic things when you're going through the flight plan. And this is what I asked him. It's just like confirming where you're going, confirming your altitude, confirming cruising speed. What are you going to do in these situations? How's the weather? Or like, what are our pit stops if something comes up? So it's just contingencies. It's a great kind of thing to be doing uh, for yourself as well. But you're really kind of focusing on what can you control? Um, you're not going to be able to control the markets. You can't really control interest rates and you can't really control the weather if you're looking out today. So that's what a pilot does. That's kind of what a, a financial plan will allow you to do is, is sitting down and figuring things out. And just like how you're flying a plane, sometimes there's there's turbulence. And just like with a financial plan, it's not going to just be this smooth kind of glide path higher without any bumps. Like something invariably will, will come up. So if you don't really know where you are, 
where your plane is going, then how are you going to take advantage of, of kind of the bumps along the way and view them as opportunities and not kind of a crisis. Mm-hmm. I like so, that analogy. And I like that you're making yourself into a pilot in this situation. I mean, like, uh, I like to think of myself as a highly qualified professional that just, um, it's not as cool. You know, I don't get to fly like a, how much is a Boeing? Like a $25 million jet, you know? I just might be flying a $20 million portfolio, which might be scarier. Boom. You know, so. (laughs) But uh, usually when I say financial plan, someone's eyes just glaze over. But for for the most part, what I'm trying to figure out and just tell people is, okay, sit down, figure out where you currently are. So 1231, what's your net worth, you know, from there? Mm -hmm. And then net worth is just your assets, Minus your liability. So my home here, let's say it's worth three hundred thousand dollars as of today's market value, and my mortgage is call it two fifty. If that's the only thing I have, then my net worth is fifty thousand dollars. Now maybe I got some money in the bank. Maybe I got some investment accounts. Maybe I have some other assets, and maybe I have a rental property or something like that. So net worth is just simple assets minus liabilities. Boom, there's your net worth. And then for me, I would just take my the account values that I have. So my 401k, IRAs, uh, checking and savings, brokerage account, just kind of where are they at today? Bam, there's, there's your net worth. And then sitting down with your significant other, your partner, maybe your cat, whatever you got going on in your life. I would just, what are your short-term goals? You know, maybe you want to take a, a trip somewhere. Maybe you want to buy a house. Maybe you want to finish paying down some student loans or whatever the variety is, just have like your short-term goals. What can you realistically accomplish in one to two years? And then I think you would also do long-term as well. So I think a stereotypical one, every single person I kind of meet wants to be financially independent, being able to just say to their boss or whoever, screw you, I'm out type of freedom, you know, Uh, maybe conquer the world, maybe open like a pet shelter or something like that. So like maybe those are long-term goals. So you've got where you are and what you want to achieve. And then from there, I would start building out just actions and strategies to take advantage of that. So I like creating systems. So a great example right now is uh, I'm saving for a wedding in 2024. And I know I need, let's call it $10,000 $10,000 for the wedding. So I went and did a direct deposit. $200 of my paycheck every time goes into my wedding account. And then maybe I always joke that I have this Sprinter van fantasy that once I get my financial independence, I'm going to get my Sprinter van, I'm going to get my dog Hazel. We're going to head out and go out west. Maybe I have a Sprinter van long-term goal. Just take $100 out of my paycheck, put it in there every time. So that's like a, a point of like a an action or strategy that you set in place, you don't have to do anything. You can get a lot more complicated from there. You can start to and talk about tax advantages, Roth conversions, different investments, but it can be as simple as that. And then for me, the fourth step is just executing on the plan. So looking at it uh, just like on a monthly basis, do you need, it doesn't have to be monthly, even quarterly, checking in, are things, is the money moving where it should be? Are you moving towards your goals? Did the market sell off? Maybe you're moving back. And then maybe making changes every six months, every year, maybe even quarter, quarterly if things are going crazy. But that, to me, that is the basics of a financial plan. 
It's, it seems pretty simple. When you break it down like this, it does seem pretty simple. Um, I, I did have a couple of questions. You already touched on one just in terms of like calculating your, your net worth. So that seems pretty, pretty self-explanatory. You're taking all your account values, adding those up, and then taking your assets and liabilities, which breaking that down in terms of, I understand a little bit more clearly, you're saying like, you know, you're, you're subtracting the debt from what you own, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So student debt, mortgages, car loan, any, any type of debt, just minus that from, from the, the asset that you have. And you don't really need to guess on your, I mean, who knows what your home could really sell for today, but just take a guess. Yeah. Thing. And, and then um, on this monthly check-ins thing, I know that like, I've always heard just like, once you kind of invest your money, kind of just forget about it. Don't look at it too often because you're going to be tempted to, to make too many moves. And really it's all about the long-term versus the short-term. So like, how, how would you, you know, how would you talk to somebody uh, about that and doing it in a way that is like beneficial to, to the person investing, like making this plan? Okay. Like, you know, these are the things that you should be looking for to change if you're going to be making a change or like, does, does that make sense what I'm asking here? Yeah. Personally, I like to try and keep my, my investment strategies as, as simple as they need to be. So if you've seen Forgetting Sir Marshall, right? Great movie. Yes. Yeah. So you know where he's like learning how to surf? <laughs> yes. And Paul Rudd is like, okay, I just need you to do less. Yeah. I need you to do less. And then like, he's like not getting off the board. He's like, okay, I need you to just do like a little bit more type of thing. That's how I kind of view <laughs> investing in a way. Like, feel free to look at, I wouldn't look, I wouldn't look at your accounts daily. It's going to drive you crazy. But I think at least looking at them once a month would be kind of give you a good barometer, but I wouldn't be making changes once a month. So we're not, we're not laying on the board, but we're not like flipping up and doing something crazy every time when we're coming surfing. Um, I think if there's like big changes in the market or big changes in those account values, then maybe you would consider doing something a little different. So COVID is a great example. And, you know, if you had excess cash to, to put into the market when it's down 20, 25% and you're not worried about your job, all those other ancillary things, then I think it's a great time to put some money into the market type of thing. Or, let's say you're just a, a normal rebalancing at the end of the year. So I think it's, it's a, it's part of the, the trade-off mm -hmm. and a balance in it. If you're, if you're making changes every week in your investments, it's probably too much. If you're not making a change or at least considering a change every six months, it's probably too, too little of work yeah. um, in a way. So that's a great question. And then kind of the next question I get is like, okay, that's great financial planner. Like, where do I start? Where does the savings kind of start going into certain things? So I use what's called like a waterfall method. So you fill up one kind of bucket and then it flows down to the different buckets. And th this is my own personal views. And this is what I do uh, as well. But there's there's so much gray. There's, there's so many um, different ways to be doing this. There's kind of a a famous line of full metal jacket. This is my rifle. There are many like it, but this one is mine type of thing. There are many different ways to save. Everyone has very different views on this. This is just like if I uh, ran into a stranger in the street, this is what I tell them to do. So step one, if you're working for a soulless corporation that has a match, great. Get that match in your 401k. I view that as almost like a hundred percent return on your contribution. That's free money you're, you're giving up there. So Take advantage of that step one. And this, of course, assumes you've got a savings account for emergencies and things like that. That's always step one in my mind. Like have six to 12 months of emergency cash just in case something comes up. 
So that's one. Two, uh, I'm a huge fan of the health savings account. It's the only triple tax advantaged account. And actually, I have a whole article on it. I've, I think it's a pretty interesting thing to be taking advantage of. You can actually create a, a tax-free account for yourself in retirement with HSA. So making sure you are contributing to that. Off the top of my head, I know it's 7750 for a family. And that means as a single person, it's 3350 are the maxes you can put into an HSA, and that includes your contribution and employer. Uh, so be careful, make sure you don't uh, over-contribute there. Uh, real, and this real, is where- Sorry, yeah. real, real quick on that. On, on the HSA, is that something that like continually rolls over, right? There's Is there a limit to, or I'm, I'm sorry, is there a um, kind of like a time frame attached to, to that on a yearly basis? And then is that does that stay attached to the company that you're at? So HSA is, I love it because that's a great question. It, it's your account. So that's not like a flexible savings account where you, if you, the the old saying, if you don't use it, you lose it type of thing. That's an FSA. HSA is, is your asset forever. It's in your kind of own bank account. You need to make sure you are in a high deductible health plan, HD, HP to qualify for that. But if you're working for a soulless corporation, you, sh- you should be in one of those most likely, but it's your, it goes on forever. You're able to build up this, this uh, medical tax-free asset. So if you're putting like $7,000 a, a year into it and not really using it, do that for 30 years, a little growth, you know, back envelope math, let's say that's three fifty four hundred thousand dollars you have when you're 70 years old, tax-free. Wow. Woohoo. Yeah. And then this is where the grade kind of starts. Some people will say you should you should max out your 401k next. Some people like me say you want a little bit of flexibility uh, also because 401k is great. It's going to grow tax free. When you pull that money out, you're going to get taxed on it, but you'll probably be at a lower tax bracket. But at the same time, life is a little messy and you need flexibility for like a down payment, for like a, a wedding ring. All these things are saying is what I just went through. <laughs> Uh, type of thing. But, you know, flexibility, maybe taking a trip. So start building a, a what I would call a brokerage account. And that's just a, like a normal investment taxable account in there. So 401k, you can't really take money out unless you meet uh, a couple of provisions that you don't really want to be meeting. It's not like hardship provisions, um, not a good scenario to be pulling for a 401k, but a brokerage account, you can take money out. You might pay some taxes on it if there's some gains, but you can do what you want with it. And then from there, I then I go to maxing out my qualified plans. Now, when I say qualified plans, that means um, most likely your, your 401k is the big one. So anything that kind of has tax advantages to it. So 401k, uh, figure out how to get some money into a Roth IRA. Some 401ks allow for a Roth 401k option. So those are great too. You can do after-tax contributions into your employer plan sometimes. Every employer plan is a little different. It's kind of like ice cream. You have to read the ingredients, see what you're allowed to do and, and see if you like that. So if you are doing your, your company match, maxing out your HSA, you know, putting some excess savings in a brooch account and then maxing out your, your qualified plans, you're killing it. That That's awesome. Um, and the, the only thing you can really do from there is keep contributing to your brokerage account. <laughs> so um, <laughs> that's that's kind of like the waterfall in a way. There's a couple other things to do, but if you're trying to keep it simple, that's that's kind of the easiest way to do like a waterfall savings method. 
Yeah, and I just want to clarify here uh, in case anybody missed it. It's step one is contributing up to the match for your company 401k. So not maxing it out, but let's say they're going to match up to, I don't know, do they do this in numbers or, or percentages? So you do like 5% or, or whatever it is. Yeah. Or we'll match 100% of your 6% contribution, something like that. Yeah. So just up to the match, step one. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. I get on a ramble. And then the, kind of my pet peeve is a financial plan is definitely more than uh, a portfolio uh, in a way. You can go out and there's a lot of like portfolio quote unquote models uh, that you can go and purchase. So if somebody's just doing your, your portfolio, I'm sure they're great. I'm sure they're, they're you know, you, you like them for a reason. They're fun to be around, whatever it is. I would just encourage people to find somebody who's doing just more than the portfolio because I went on to uh, chat GBT and have you messed around with this? I love chat. Yes. Okay. So I just, you know, being the insightful finance person that I am, I said chat GBT and you can check this out in the show notes because I actually did this. Create me a well-diversified portfolio table format with the portfolio weightings with actual investments. And sadly, it did like a pretty good job. I've got I've got a low cost portfolio in here. I've got my U.S. large cap, U.S. small cap, international markets, and I've got a little bonds in here. They're all Vanguard investments, so they're going to be low cost. There's nothing wrong with Vanguard. It's it's a great option, and it uh, it's pretty close to a lot of the investment quote unquote models I've seen before. So. You know, maybe you adjust the portfolio weightings a little bit and kind of like twirl your your pinky and you've got like some tactical thing or whatever you're doing in your portfolio. And uh, we're going to add this like really cool active manager. It's going to rock your socks <laughs> off. But generally, like it's pretty close, you know. So if you're paying 1% to an investment advisor who's just doing your portfolio, I would you know maybe like them, maybe they're called a trend, you know. But if you're trying to give them a hard time, I would just be like, hey, you're like, what are you doing more than chat GBT? <laughs> You know, like what, what, else you, what have you, you done here? for me lately? Yeah. What do you what do you say you do here? Type of thing. So um but you can get a, your portfolio can be really complicated. You can start adding in real estate, you can start adding in private placements and things like that if you if you meet the the uh, requirements for it. Um the portfolio can balloon and become as complicated as you want, or you can keep it as simple as it's just some Vanguard funds. There's um it's kind of like ice cream again. There's a flavor from everybody. And uh, I'm a huge chocolate chip fan. I, I hate chocolate are. chip. What? Uh, you're chocolate second. chip cookie dough ice cream? Okay. Well, now you add in cookie dough. Now we're, we're talking about something different. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, I'm a huge cookie dough, chocolate chip cookie dough fan. I used to weigh 300 pounds. And uh, you don't get to, uh, you know, I played offensive line, but really it was an excuse to eat ice cream. And cookie dough ice cream was my favorite. Um, but circling back, that's kind of what a financial plan is in a way. It's like, where are you? Where do you want to go? What actions and strategies can you take to help you facilitate there? And then just in summary, it's, it's more than just investing, in my humble opinion. Uh, you can get very complicated investments very quickly. You can also make it extremely simple and get a very similar return with a very similar risk structure. So. With that, Fabian, any questions? No, uh, I, I think the big takeaway here is just to have a plan, right? Like put some thought and just have a plan, right? Yeah. And, and you, yeah. you and I, I show it here. It can I, be very simple. There's some other quotes too. Like if you if you fail to plan, what is it, if you fail to plan? You plan to fail. 
plan to fail in a way. I, I think just literally taking 30 minutes to just sit down and like, where do I want to go? Because you're going to end up somewhere and it'd be great if that place is where you want to be. Um, but also, you know, I've, I've been on a couple flights where you, you end up where you didn't expect, but Hey, that pilot had the plan in place that knew we were going to divert to, to this one. And, and everyone ended up in, in a safe place. And that's what matters. You just want to end up somewhere safe. And even if it isn't like, you know, if you shoot for Charlotte and you, you land in Raleigh, at least you're in the same vicinity type yeah. of thing. You don't want to, you don't want to start flying to Charlotte and you end up in Cuba or something, you know, maybe you want to get there. I don't know, you know, but if you keep on flying, you know, you never know where you end up. Um, I, I, before we close, I do have one question has absolutely nothing to do with uh, this week's newsletter, but maybe this is an ongoing section. So, you know, the daily put out an episode about the debt ceiling, the U S government is oh. the debt ceiling. Um, yeah. I kind of got the gist of it listening to the daily, but maybe you can help, you know, shine a little bit more light on t- kind of like the implications of that. Like, did you, did you hear that episode? Did you follow what, like, what, what does that even mean? Yeah. So I think the debt ceiling comes up every like seven or eight years and effectively the U S debt is pretty large. I think it's around 31 trillion last time I checked. And on a legal standpoint, the debt can only be, that's the debt ceiling. It can only be like 31 trillion or whatever it is. And it sounds like I probably need to write an article about this that way. One, I can sound more informed and, but also put that out there. And effectively the U S spends more, spends more money than we take in in tax revenue. Whereas a humble you know, two-handed economist, it's not the worst thing in the world type of thing. I mean, the U.S. has the best military in the world. I don't, we've never defaulted. Nothing's ever really going to go wrong with us paying our debt. But at the same time, you can't have it be $200 trillion in, in today. Like there's some limit to what- It becomes meaningless be. at a certain point, right? It's just like, why even yeah. have debt? It's like a ceiling. Yeah. Yeah, it, exactly. Like the debt ceiling is somewhat meaningless and it's kind of just used as a bargaining chip at this point, which is what I think the Republicans are trying to do. Like they want to cut certain programs and that, that's their prerogative type of thing. So they're going to use it as a bargaining chip. And last time this one, I think we just had a government shutdown and like, I think things will be fine. Uh, the U.S. won't default on their debt. The, what they'll do is they'll go all the way up to the, the end of the cliff and probably make a deal. But we're... We'll, I think it's until the summer and it, it's what I, what I would call like a really big headline risk. It sounds scary in the headlines. We're going to hit the debt ceiling that the world will end and the U S dollar will no longer exist. You know, very easy headline to right. write, but right. like from a practical standpoint, like maybe we get a little sell off, maybe the market gets a little jittery, but I think, I think things will be fine. I do think, Given uh, today's congressional me- makeup in the U.S. government, like neither side has any any reason to negotiate early. They're gonna mm. they're gonna ride this thing all the way into the summer. So it should at least be at least C-SPAN's really interesting now. You know, so we got that going for us. Awesome. Did I answer your question? For that. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, with that, um, feel free to subscribe, share, rate the podcast. Uh, we've had a couple people reach out with uh, topics and feedback. So we greatly appreciate that. Keep bringing that uh, on. And as always, if you have questions, we're happy to do an episode on it. And it sounds like we're doing a death ceiling episode soon. So it should be fun. Bye.